y'all doing? Got to get my apps ready so I can play while I preach. Hallelujah. God, we're so thankful. Let us pray. Father God, again, we thank you, Lord God, for what you've already done this morning. We thank you, Father God, that you've already done a work in our hearts. We thank you that you've ministered to our needs, Father God. You've met us where we're at. We just thank you, Father God, that because of what Christ did for us on the cross, Father God, our praise, our worship of you, Father God, is a sweet, sweet aroma unto you. We thank you, Father God, that you are here in our midst. Your presence is here to save, to deliver, to set free, to make whole again. And we ask you, Father God, to continue your work for your glory. And we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. If y'all remember last week, we, we talked about the cross. And we took a moment to consider the process of the cross. The son of man side of Jesus, that he wasn't just God, he was man. And that we ought not to have that, that attitude, that mindset that says, well, sure, Jesus could do that. He was God. Well, he also wore flesh just like you and I did. He felt the same things you and I do. He hurt the same way that you and I hurt. He sorrowed and grieved the same way you and I sorrow and grieve. Amen? And because of that, He can relate to you right where you're at. He's been there. Does that matter to anybody else here? He knows what it feels like to be in the foxhole. To be at the point of despair. To say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where you're at in the middle of my despair. But he also knew to do that in faith, working through the process of his affliction, working through the process of the cross, even unto obedience, obedience unto death. And I believe he ministered to us in a mighty way last week. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12. I alluded to it last week, but I'm going to start off with it this week. We're talking about the process of the cross. And part of that is the joy that was set before him. You know, Jesus wasn't just thinking about the cross. He was thinking beyond the cross. Y'all get that? He was thinking about the fruit of the cross. The salvation that would be brought about. Through the cross. Hebrews chapter 12. Starting at verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, very important. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Y'all remember last week I talked about the amazing, that amazing cross, the amazing work that was done on the cross in making a way for our salvation and that and the victory that was won for us. We have victory in Christ Jesus, but there was a victory that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane that made the, the victory on the cross inevitable. And it says, we're going to be looking to Jesus as an example. You know, he worked through and he, he, he said, Father, is there any other way? If it's possible, help me avoid, or can I, can, can I avoid what I'm going to have to go through? Can we do it without messing up the whole thing? Can it be done any other way? But not my will, your will be done. How many of y'all know God's not offended when we ask him, can, can, can we, if we, when we ask him, can it happen another way? When we make known to him, I don't know about this, God. You know, it seems to me left is the right way to go. You sure you want me to go right? And there's nothing wrong with that as long as that's not where we stay. You know, as long as we resolve in ourselves that, you know what, left looks better to me. I don't understand why you would want me to go right, but not my will, your will. I'm going to go in faith where you want me to go. It's a scary thing. I'm not sure what that way will bring, but I am sure in the one who wants me to go that way. You know, I don't know about that way, but I know about you. And I trust you. Amen? That he, His way, the way he went through the Garden of Gethsemane, the way he went through the cross is a shining example for us on how we can go through our burdens. And he was without sin, so it wasn't a sin for him to ask that, ask that question in prayer, was it? And he didn't ask it one time, he went again. If this cup cannot pass from me, Lord, unless I drink it, then it really ain't about me. It's not about what I want. Father God, I am determined to see this thing through and be obedient to you. There comes a time when we're bearing our crosses, when we have to move beyond asking God to make another way, asking God to take it away, and just resolving ourselves, you know what, Lord? If I got to go through it, then I'm going to go through it in obedience, and I'm going to honor you. Show me the way. Guide my steps. Because I'm determined to walk through this thing in obedience to you. And that might be speaking to somebody here today. Maybe you've been wallowing in a pit of despair. And you're wondering, Lord, why have you not taken this away? Lord, why have, have you not made a different way for me? You know what? Maybe you just need to just resolve within yourself that, Lord, whether this goes or doesn't go. You're still God. Whether I get my way or not, you're sovereign. And I may not understand it. Your ways are beyond my ways. But I'm not called to understand it. I'm called to obey. To trust and obey. And I believe Jesus exemplified that. Now, I know I'm hitting on what we talked about last week. But I... In Hebrews chapter 12 here, what we're being encouraged to do, I believe Jesus did. The sorrow and the grief, it began to overwhelm him. 
It began to be too much for him. It would seem. But you know what? He had to lay that aside and walk with endurance the path that was marked out for him. He had to lay that aside in trusting God, the Father, in his faithfulness, in the truth of his word. And we've got to do that. We've got to lay aside the weights that would hinder us. We've got to lay aside the sin that would hinder us and let us run with endurance. We don't want to run and peter out. I don't want to be a 40-yard dash guy and that's it. You know, I don't want to run for a little while and then, and, and then, I'm, and then I'm, I'm backsliding. I want to run with endurance. I want to well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to be like, I want to be like Paul. I've finished the race. I've done what you've called me to do. I'm ready, Lord. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking as our example, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, you know, I just want to talk about the joy of the cross for a little bit. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He wasn't happy about the shame and the mockery. He despised that. But he met it face to face and he conquered that. For the joy that was set before him. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Everybody sitting here today who knows Jesus, you were that joy that was set before him. Everybody here sitting here today, even if you don't yet know him, you were that joy that was set before him. He knew that through his suffering, through his shed blood, through his death on that cross, the way for reconciliation was being made. Now it's up to us. We got to receive it. But that precious gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ is made available to everyone. Everybody's probably there except me. I'll start at verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. I want to continue on. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. 
by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's the joy that was set before him. Amen. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard which was preached to every creature under heaven for which I Paul became a minister so he reconciled through the cross all things unto himself I don't know your personal history I don't know what you've done There could be criminals in here. There could be murderers in here. There could be adulterers, liars, thieves. You know, and society might brand you unredeemable. Society might give you the scarlet letter and you have a stigma attached to you. But I know one who died for you, who will embrace you who will open his arm and hungry the heck out of you no matter where you at right now. I hope there's no English teachers in here. Cringy. That's the joy that was set before him. Philippians chapter 2 Verse 1, I want you to turn there. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm reading passages, not just a verse or two, so uh, I'm not going to apologize. Philippians chapter 2, starting at the first verse. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That's the cross. Jesus didn't suffer the cross for himself. It wasn't any ambition, selfish ambition or conceit. He suffered the cross for us. Let's go on. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's the cross. You know, I want to I want to remind you again, you know, the cross is not here. But I want to remind you again when we were <laughs> I want to I ask you, to, in your mind, just try to go there. Just try to imagine him. Now, I'm sure it wasn't necessarily something that, uh, you know, made him overjoyed, you know, to want to go and get his his hands and feet nailed, to go through the pain, getting his back shredded to pieces. getting beat beyond recognition. But the cross wasn't about him as much as it was about you and I being reconciled through him. So in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others 
better than himself. That's the cross. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's the cross. Do y'all see that? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. <laughs> Boy, our reputations are so important to us. We need to let those things go. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself. And the way I look at Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. You know, he did not consider it robbery to, to, to make it known that he possessed the essence of God, that he was born of God, related to God. And that was a source of offense to them. But he was speaking the truth. In him, the same is true of you and I. We have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in us. The essence of God is in us. That fires me up, man. I've got some ammo. I can speak life to death. I can stand in the midst of the storm and say, peace be still in Jesus' name. I can resist temptation. I can be holy as he is holy. Now, positionally, I am, but I can walk in holiness. I can be sanctified, set apart from the ways of the world, and walk as a kingdom child ought to. I can do that in Jesus. Amen? I can't do it on my own, but there's a deposit of his spirit. Amen? Where am I? Hallelujah. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. I'm going to challenge you. He became obedient. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, the death of the cross. You know what? He just resigned himself <laughs> just to, to be obedient to God to his last breath. And it takes some humility to do that. Our natural tendency is to want, you know, we want all God has for us. But, Lord, okay, I want to walk a certain way, and I want you to bless me along the way. I, you know what? I, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me, too. 
You know, but there comes a point when we just got to let me go and humble self and say, Lord, <laughs> this is going to be painful. This is going to hurt. I'm trying to walk a certain way, Lord, and, and you know, I, I've got family. I've got friends. I've got classmates that think I'm a fool. I've got people that criticize me. I've got people that want to, you know, that, that, that want to call me a holy roller. They want to call me a Jesus freak. I've got people that, that want to tell me that I put my brain on the shelf and I'm following foolishness, Lord. I, got, I live in a generation where, 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 where people are just flipping about sex and they say, hey, if, if you want to be normal, you need to be out there getting all you can. You're a fool if you don't. Get it while you can. Even still, Lord, I choose to be obedient unto death if it comes that, if it comes to that. I know it kind of sounds dark, but you know what? Greg preached beautifully for two weeks on covenant. That's the covenant in which we live. Amen? We have a new covenant established on better promises. Not the law against us condemning us, but we have a covenant that Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law. And because he did that, I can stand in truth. I can stand in righteousness. I am free. Like they said in the worship team this morning, it is for freedom he set me free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, I don't have to yield my members to lust. I don't have to yield my members to adultery. I don't have to yield my members to, to, to lying, to stealing, to killing. I don't have to do that. I now obey the Lord. out of a pure heart and a clear conscience. Amen? That's the joy that was set before him. That we could be free from the bondage of sin and death. You know we're free? Do you know we're free? Do you really know it? Hmm. First Corinthians chapter 1. These are all scriptures I'm reading that are pertaining to the cross. Uh, starting at verse Thank you for the joy of the cross, Lord. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Doesn't make any sense to them. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. 
to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know what? I can't resist. Let's continue on. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He became all those things. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Hallelujah. The cross proclaims the wages of sin are fully paid. And that the perfect sacrifice has been offered. Through the cross, we have redemption and life with Christ in heaven. Through the cross, we know that sin has been defeated. It's defeated. So how do you view the cross? How do you allow it to impact your life? To motivate you, to inspire you. How often do you thank God for the cross? I want you to let it encourage you. Inspire you. Sometimes when we are struggling in certain areas, when we're struggling with sin, we need to remind ourselves of the cross. This sin doesn't have power over me. You know, I need to change my mindset. I need to change my attitude because I am free indeed in Christ Jesus. This sin is lying to me. It wants me to think that it's got a grip on me, that it has power over me, but it is a lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true. What God's word says is true regardless of what I'm feeling at the time. Regardless of what the temptation says, regardless of what my feelings are, regardless of what the circumstance may be trying to speak to me. The cross defeated it. And in the cross, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. Amen? All right, y'all. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. It's kind of mid-sentence, so uh, I'll back it up. Verse 21 through 25. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Right? He didn't just die for you, you know, so that you can receive and just ask God to do everything for you. But he wants you to follow in his steps. Walk the way he walked. 
Fear God the way he feared God. Obey the way he obeyed. Eschew evil the way he eschewed evil. Stand face to face with the devil and take authority the way he did. Amen? Follow his footsteps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes were healed, you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So without the cross, I sum this up. The cross transforms lives. Just think about the disciples. Where they were before the cross. And the men of God, they came after the cross. Think about you before the cross. And the person you are today after the cross. It it, it transforms lives. Without the cross, there's no forgiveness. No salvation. There can be no relief from guilt. No peace of mind. No eternal life. With God in heaven. Without the cross. Boy, we should have that cross in front of our minds all the time. We should be reminding ourselves of the cross and all that it represents. Amen? The victory that was won on that cross. Just charging up our faith. So we can glorify God. Hallelujah. How many of y'all remember the story of Jonah? I think there's even a VeggieTales movie about that. There is... Jonah's prayer, it always really speaks to me. He's in the belly of the fish. Boy, he's got major attitude towards God. Right? I ain't even going to ask you if you ever had attitude towards God. You probably lied to me anyway. You know, but I'll go ahead and risk flogging and say I have. Jonah decided that, you know, he'd get on God's throne for a little bit. He knew, he knew better than God how to deal with ungodly people, uh, Ninevites. And in his heart, you can just tell, in his heart, he couldn't wait for God to just drop the hammer on them for all the things that they did to his people. And shock of all shocks, <laughs> God not only doesn't do that, God sends him to go warn them that they need to repent because God doesn't want to judge them. You know, he wants them to be saved. He wants them to be reconciled. He wants them to, well, he, he wants them to avoid judgment and for them to come to a point to where they can live in a manner that pleases him rather than wiping them out. And who does he send with that message? He sends Jonah. <laughs> I 
I believe Jonah delivered the message, but the way I read it, inside, he was hoping that they would reject the message and that God would wipe them out. Guess what happened? They responded to the message. <laughs> All right? And now Jonah is royally ticked off. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, uh, let, let, let me back up. Let me back up. All right. All right. Let's get back to the point to, I, I really want to talk about the time before Jonah got to the point to where he decided to obey God to deliver the message to them. He decided to run from God. All right? Uh-huh. He decided to run. He wanted to avoid it altogether. I'll come back after you've wiped him out. When I get news, I'll come back. God chased him down. He was on the boat. The storm was going to was gonna destroy the boat and everybody in it. Make a long story short, they cast him over as he told them to. And he was in the belly of the fish. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's Jonah chapter 2. says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And he came to a conclusion. <laughs> During that time, he came to a conclusion. He's working his way to repentance. He said, those who regard worthless idols, I like the way the King James Version said, they that observe lying vanities, I love that translation, forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto you. Now, he took a little bit of a different route, but I think eventually he got to the point where Christ got in the Garden of Gethsemane. He got to the point to where he's like, you know, Lord, that's not the route I want you to take. So much so, I was willing to do battle to try and avoid the route you wanted to take from happening. But you know what? They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Who am I to try and change your plan? Who am I to try and affect my will? I will sacrifice unto you. I'm, I'm going to obey you. I may not like it. I, 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 I'm not saying this is what I want to do. I, I'm not fully embracing this in here. But I'm not going to continue in the foolish act of disobeying you. I'm going to sacrifice to you my will, my obedience. I sacrifice to you. Sometimes, you know what? That, yeah, that's to the that that's where real, just tangible, deep relationship with Lord. That's the that is a total act of worship, total act of obedience right there. I haven't even gotten to the point to where I want to do this. But I'm sacrificing unto you. This is, I will do this because this is your will. Amen? I want to finish today. Uh, in Colossians chapter 2. Hmm. There may be somebody here today that can you're at a point in your life where Jonah was when he ended up in the belly of that fish. 
Maybe that still small voice is speaking to you. You've been resisting it. Maybe you've got one foot in the world and, 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 and one foot in the kingdom and you're straddling both. And God is trying to say, you know what? You need to be hot or cold. You can't do both. God is saying put both feet in the kingdom. And you've been resisting that. Your soul has been fainting. And maybe like Jonah, it's time for you to remember the Lord. And make that sacrifice of obedience to his will. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, verse 11. Love this passage. Verse 11 through 19. It's pretty much where 19-ish. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. <laughs> Say, I'm alive with Christ. having forgiven you all trespasses. Hallelujah. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. This is the working of the cross. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, the set, I want you to know the devil, Satan, has been disarmed. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He has been disarmed. He is a toothless lion. He is without power over you. Amen? We, we, we need to know that. You need to realize that. Sin has no power over you. Satan has no power over you. You have authority in Christ. Amen? You have ability in Christ. Taking away my amen section over there, bro. <laughs> Having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. It looks like he was the spectacle, but really he made a spectacle of the principalities, of the powers, of sin, of death. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward. I love that. Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Hallelujah. Jesus nailed it all to the cross. When those nails were hammered into his hands and in his, and in his feet, your trespasses were being forgiven. 
the handwriting of requirements, the law, was wiped out against you. Taken out of the way. The dominion that was given to Satan through the fall of Adam and Eve, through the fall of Adam, that authority was disarmed. That authority was taken by Christ. Amen? The authority that he gave Adam has been restored to us through the cross. Amen? We are more than what we think we are in Christ. Nailed to the cross was physical pain. Nailed to the cross. Emotional hurt. Nailed it. Stress. Nailed it. Grief. Nailed it. Sorrow. Sin. Death. Shame. Loneliness. Nailed it. Condemnation. All these things Jesus himself suffered through that process. It was all nailed. He was condemned. Sorrowful, grieving, stress, hurt, pain, loneliness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Nailed it to the cross. Offense, rejection, affliction, hardship. Betrayal, fear, anguish, discord, disunity, extreme emotional distress, the need for forgiveness, the need for repentance, etc., etc., etc. All was nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. Some of y'all need to just, you need to let it be nailed. You need to remind yourself that it's been nailed to the cross. Gonna ask you to stand. Hallelujah. How many of y'all know that Jesus wants you to experience the joy of the cross? There's so much concerning the cross to rejoice about. And one of the joys that was set before him was to see you walking in integrity and wholeness. Walking in the fullness of him with whom we have to do. Walking in the fullness of Christ. Being his witnesses. Seeing you be able to to shuck off weights, shuck off sins, and draw nigh unto him. To see you repent, to see you turn away from that which, which is against you, that path that leads to destruction, and choose life. Hallelujah. I want you to meditate right now. I want you to think on the cross. And I want you to think on 
whatever weights, whatever challenges, whatever sins, whatever hang-ups that seemingly have had power over you. And I want you to nail it to the cross. Can you do that? I'm going to give you a moment in silence just for you to let the Lord deal with you, to just let you and the Lord have a moment to make it's to make a declaration, to make a decision right now that enough is enough. Sin shall not triumph over me. Circumstance shall not triumph over me. Bitterness, unforgiveness, Offense, loneliness, peer pressure, whatever it is, shall not triumph over me. For I am in Christ and in him. I am free in him. I am victorious. choose the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. If there's anyone who needs prayer or ministry, please don't hesitate to come. I and the ministry teams would be happy to, to pray with you and to minister to you in whatever way God leads. We just want to see you blessed in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father God, you're so good. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the cross. I'm going to ask y'all to, to say that to the Lord. Thank you for the cross. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we, just, we thank you for enduring the cross. We thank you for being obedient unto death. We are the result of your obedience, Father God. We who know the Lord, we who have relationship with you are most grateful. For if it were not for the cross, we would still stand condemned. If it were not for the cross, we would still be lost in our sins. If it were not for the cross, we would have no hope. But thanks be to Jesus. We have a hope and a future. Thanks be to Jesus. We have life everlasting. Thanks be to Jesus. We have overcome the world. 
and have become children of light in the kingdom of God. Father, let us be reminded every day, throughout the day, of the cross and its significance. What was accomplished through the cross, what it means to us. The heart of the gospel. Hallelujah. Let it ever be before us, Father God, to motivate us, to encourage us in our faith, to encourage us to walk in your ways. To encourage us to make the difficult stands and and the tough choices. Simply because we love you. And it is your will. Let your grace be upon everyone here, Lord. To be sober and vigilant. to be the mature sons and daughters of God that you called them to be. To you be glory, honor, and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.